This episode is brought to you with the help of Tank Antonera Convenience Store open from 6.30 in the morning to midnight and is situated in Rudajan in Xira, what we call Savoy Hill. At the Cantonera Convenience Store, you can find everything that you need, what we call your daily needs. The Cantonera always offers the freshest products with the best service. Welcome to my nation. Funny and sometimes mentally unstable. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Tech Nation podcast. Today with me I have a very special guest from the University of Edinburgh and together we'll talk about game enhanced learning. Obviously this episode will be in English and not in Maltese as usual as obviously Dr. McLeod does not speak in Maltese as yet. James, lovely to be with you. It's a great pleasure. It has not yet got intolerably hot. Um, my name is Hamish McLeod. I teach at the uh, School of Education at the University of Edinburgh in Scotland. Uh, so James was um, courteous enough or cowardly enough <laughs> to let me pronounce my own name. Yes. Uh, so a very typically Scottish name. I would vote for cowardly, actually. Okay, right. <laughs> okay, so let's get to the point. Today I said it's a special podcast because usually our podcast, um, uh, Hamish, they're about general technology, you know, technology, not education, but we present certain articles during the week to, to our listeners. Right. Today it's going to be a bit more in-depth, a bit more specific about um, learning through games in education, because right. at the end of the day, that's that's why you visit our our lovely island in summer, because you have certain engage, talking engagements um, in the next couple of days. Yes, thank you. Yeah, I'm I'm contributing to a meeting tomorrow, which is on game-based learning. Uh, it's uh, a project which is organised through Erasmus Plus, so European uh, Union funding. Um, and the theme is particularly on games in relation to the encouragement of pupils to continue in their secondary education. So that's the agenda to uh, to produce higher levels of retention in mm-hmm. education and to look at games and learning as a, a as a means of contributing to that retention. So basically, one, for early school leaving, um, to, to increase retention in, in our schools, and the other one is to obviously encourage um, learning through games um, in, in mainstream education we're talking yes, right? yes. It, it, and it's the the area of game informed and game based learning that I know something about I uh, teach on a master's program in digital education from the University of Edinburgh that's an, an online uh, an international online master's program and I lead on a course on digital game based learning okay so let's get deep into the subject why should any educational institution encourage playing because unfortunately um, Hamish I don't know if you if you agree with me both parents and some faculty members don't see the place for games in the classroom so why should a faculty or an education institution allow games in the classroom yes i think that's right i mean i think that there is a uh, an almost opposition between work and play and so the idea that you would bring games into an educational setting seems very very odd to some people i think that's right um, although uh, playful engagement with learning, learning about things which you are interested in, 
becoming interested in topics that you hadn't thought previously would be interesting. That's all a big part of what education is trying to do. And games, and as I say, play, is a very important part of that. I would say, too, that uh, many teachers may not think of themselves as using play in their practices, but very often they, they will be doing so. They will be thinking about ways of engaging with their learners in a way which inspires them, motivates them, excites them, that they can enjoy. So we're talking about games in general here, not necessarily computer games. Not necessarily computer games, although I think that technologies have introduced vastly more powerful ways of playing mm-hmm. educationally. So I think the digital dimension is important. Okay. So let's say, for example, um, uh, I teach chemistry. That for, for both some faculty members and for students seems like games and chemistry couldn't be farther apart. They, they won't see the correlation between them. But as, as you showed me this morning and when we were talking previously before we started recording this session, actually it is very easy to combine both, both worlds, actually. Well, I think I would argue, although I'm not a chemist, uh, my background's in biology and psychology, uh, but I would argue that one can use game-informed, uh, game uh, directed approaches in any subject area. So one of the projects that I've been in, well, very, very peripherally involved with, this is work that a student, a graduate of ours, in fact, uh, a teacher, um, Hugh O'Donnell, on the west coast of Scotland. He's an English teacher, and he's using uh, a simulation game to stimulate creative writing in his English students. Mm-hmm. Now, the game is about... Wait, wait, you said creative writing. Yeah. Creative writing in games? I've Right, okay. I've I've left chemistry, but I was going to come back to chemistry. Creative writing in games. Yeah. Um, How can you you teach creative writing in games? I I cannot picture it. Right. Um, It's not about teaching creative writing. It's about giving children something to write about. Okay. So I think often we encourage students to write and we set them writing projects which they may or may not be interested in. Like a day at the beach. Yeah. Now, a day at the (laughs) beach may be quite interesting. Uh, It may, however, be that a 14-year-old would not like to write about what they found interesting at a day at the beach. Um, But, yeah, so the game, the game that he's using is a Mars colonization simulation. Okay. So it's an intrinsically exciting Mm -hmm. game. Area to be so. Uh, there's the exploration side. There's the space faring yeah. side. There's the yeah. So if you're interested in in science fiction, yeah, uh, and for example, which we are obviously. He he does find that, um, and he has used science fiction with his sort of secondary three level male students, particularly mm-hmm. as a way of getting reluctant readers and writers to engage. So okay, yes, there's the science fiction theme. But there's also exploratory theme, mm-hmm. there's a, an environmental theme when we think about colonizing another place. Yep. There might be a historical, political there might theme. There be like et- ethical-based issues. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, yeah. So the, the game is providing his students with something to write about. Awesome. Now, sorry, you, you, you started with chemistry. Now, one of the things that is central to our national curriculum in Scotland, it, it's called the Curriculum for Excellence, And one of the central ideas there is to promote cross-disciplinary work. 
So Hugh... What, what, by the way, what we call here cross-curricular work. Right, okay. Um, so Hugh is working with colleagues in the sciences, mm -hmm. so biology colleagues, mm -hmm. and the biologists are talking to the students about issues of uh, the carbon cycle and yeah. growing plants yeah, yeah. and uh, scrubbing air and all of these things which relate directly to the chemistry which obviously the, in game you can control the parameters and you see an effect yes it's, it's, it's a simulation yeah uh, and again we were talking about this earlier on mm -hmm. um, often I'm a higher education educator mm -hmm. I talk so often you don't want to talk about games yeah. when you're engaging with for example medical students yeah so medical students in, in Edinburgh use a lot of game informed approaches yeah uh, one of the ideas that um, people have developed there is the notion of the virtual patient. So mm -hmm. you're actually mm -hmm. playing with a game scenario. Yeah. But we call them simulations. Though. Exactly. You wouldn't perhaps talk about games. You would talk about simulations. But essentially, it's exactly the same thing. Mm -hmm. You're playing with what-if yeah, what if scenarios, exactly. Yeah. But we're talking about chemistry and no, where no, chemistry yeah, yeah, could no, come we're, into we're, Yeah, to play. we were getting there. We yeah. were getting to, for example, this Mars exploration, uh, let's call it simulation. Yep. This Mars exploration simulation is that it gives the ability for chemistry to be involved as well. So we're, yes. for now, we talked about one single situation, so one single simulation, which is being used for creative writing and for chemistry reasons, for you know, adjusting parameters, so forth and so on. We talked about that there's ethical issues, that there's various points of discussion about it. So, yeah, basically we're not talking about replacing something in class. We're using something which augments the way that we engage yes. the learners, yes, basically. that's right, yeah. And so the game is acting as a stimulus for other activities which so, the teacher would orchestrate. As we always say, it's not about the technology, it's about the learning. Yes, and, and, and about the pedagogy. I mean, yeah, the pedagogy. what the teacher is, is doing mm -hmm. to orchestrate that learning. Yeah. Uh, and I think, I, again, I don't know how it is in Malta, but in the UK, it's become popular, it's become fashionable to emphasise learning. Yeah. Uh, and I think we are perhaps losing sight of the fact that, that teachers are a key element of this learning happening. So mm -hmm. we need to be thinking more or certainly as much about pedagogies, about teaching, as we are sure. about learning. So the teacher will introduce the game, and again, teachers can think about games that they might find stimulating in their particular teaching and learning mm -hmm. environment. Uh, the teacher introduces the game and uses that game as a catalyst mm -hmm. to get something happening. Uh, right. in the class. So that, that's one of the ways, at least, that, that games are being used. Obviously, as, as we all agree, um, uh, education does not come only from schools, and we were talking mm. as well about this um, earlier. And my question is this. Should parents actively allow their children to play games? Now, a word of caution. When we say mm. games, we mean games which can be adapted to an educational scenario, like, for example, Minecraft. Minecraft was not made... Mm to be an educational tool, it turned out that Minecraft is a perfect educational tool. Mm. What would you recommend um, for parents at home? Would you, would you say, would you suggest it? Would you recommend it? Would you say balance it out? Yeah, well, let's take a step back, James, because okay. I, I think parents are uh, justifiably anxious about the time that children appear to spend playing games. Perhaps the parent onlooking will not see 
the depth and the complexity of the learning that's potentially going on. True. So I think that's an important thing to think about. Um, yes, of course, balance, I think, is everything. I mean, one wants to see one's children outside playing. Yep. Uh, one wants to see one's children socialising. Of course, children are socialising within Minecraft, for example. Yep. For example, um, because... because Minecraft has the availability of being networked yeah. and a lot of players can play at the same time, yeah. obviously. And there again, there's an anxiety, I think, for parents because if the kids are outside in the street talking to their friends, the parents can see what's going on. Yeah. Um, online, in Minecraft, for example, but in other social media, children are socialising, mm -hmm. but they may not be socialising with children that yeah, the parents know yeah. um, there may be anxieties about that about uh, the age gaps most of the times yeah and um, well I think about my granddaughter she's about nine she has playing companions in Minecraft mm -hmm. across the entire planet yeah uh, you know so that's both exciting and stimulating but frightening <laughs> You so, know. so as always, it's balancing the. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a cost over benefit kind and, of thing. And and knowing what your children are doing, yep. and talking to your children about what they are doing, mm -hmm. um, not being frightened to find that your children are desperately technically sophisticated and mm -hmm. and know stuff that you don't know. I think that, that's a message for parents actually, and teachers. Actually, that's I think is an is an important point to to grab onto. You said parents and teachers not being afraid of the fact that. Kids know more than them. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I think there's so much in that. Um, teachers, it seems to me, are not there to know everything. Of course not. Um, they are there to guide and to stimulate the learning that goes on. Mm -hmm. uh, talking to a colleague of mine in the school, Nick Hood, a uh, uh, fantastic, inspiring physics teacher, but one of the things that he was talking about was the how exciting it is for a teacher when a student says, please, sir, did you know? Mm. So that the student is coming along with something that he or she wants to yeah. tell we the under, teacher. We understand the fact that at least if they have a question, they took the time to research something which they are not yeah. sure about. Yeah. This, this is also an important, an important point when it comes to game-based learning. Both us as faculty and, and parents and what have you, I mean... I might not be using the correct the correct terminology here. They will always know about that world more than us. Yes, and and it's it's not even a world that we used to inhabit. We have True. not grown up with this world, mm -hmm. um, and we tend to think that we know a lot about childhood because we have been children one time. <laughs> But actually, uh, technology, particularly, moves so quickly that we cannot identify with the possibilities, the excitement that our children feel mm -hmm. when they can, for example, communicate with somebody across the world. True. That, that's a phenomenal uh, experience. Pen pals, well, yeah, you know, some of us might have had pen pals in the past, uh, but this is immediate. This yes. is immediate communication. And what humans are particularly interested in and excited about and, and motivated by It's communication. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's very, very important. And, and so the game gives us something to communicate about very often, or yeah. it gives us a medium yeah. through which we can communicate or about which and around which we can communicate. And it gives, in, in, in today's, in today's so, uh, awkward social world, which, I, which yeah. I like to use, it gives us a, 
like a, a common ground to start off from. Yes, yes. You know? So um, I, I don't know about you, but I don't tend to watch scheduled TV anymore. I don't, I don't. So one cannot go into the workplace and say, did you see? Exactly. Um, and I find actually I still tend to do this and I realize, well, why should you have seen this? This was a DVD in my front room. You yeah. weren't there. Yeah. So th there are things that we used to have to talk about. Mm -hmm. um, there, clearly, there are still things that we can talk about. We can talk about sport. We can talk about no, politics true, and so on. But that aspect of, of um, uh, you know, common opportunity to talk, the TV has mm -hmm. gone. Yeah. Um, and so we need to think about other ways in which that can happen. And that, that is what, what drives nowadays as well as certain, certain YouTube channels being, becoming yes. very, very popular because there is a common yeah. ground on, on which to communicate with your friends with. That, that's right. My, I, I mean, uh, you can hear students talking about YouTube personalities as yeah. we used to talk about cartoons, for example. And yes. yeah, we, 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 what we call the water cooler discussions. That's I right, mean, yes. You know, or the water dispenser discussions. Um, uh, However, since, since your background is also in psychology, I wrote an article about open world games. Open world games are basically like, for example, to mention one of the worst ones, an example is Grand Theft Auto, yeah. where basically yeah. you have a, an open world where you have freedom of, of action, um, your action, your, your, your gameplay, you decide your gameplay, if you're going to be a good guy, a bad guy, mm. or whatever it is. Um, in this article, I, I, I try to describe why teenagers are, are preferring open world games. And one, one of my conclusions, which, which I would like to discuss mm. with you, is, was that it offers a certain amount of stability which the world does not offer to these mm. teenagers at this point in time. For example, um, in the past six months, if you take just the past six months, if you go on tech news or, or political news in the world, if you consider what happened in the UK and what happened in the US, mm. there is already a major shift in what we were talking about last year. Mm. Do you think that teenagers are are gravitating towards these open world games because at least they know that once they switch on their computer, they're faced with the same situation as they were exactly faced with last week? It's the same sunrise, it's the same sunset, there's the same yeah. amount of parameters. Yeah. I'll use the notion of control, if yeah. I can. Um, I think that uh, these games that you're describing offer an opportunity to have some control over the environment. True. And as you say, hideous political situations across the world, uh, I think for a young person the world might feel like a very, very scary and out-of-control place at yeah. the moment. Yeah. And so certainly I think games and good books, good True. fantasy, True. you know... Um, gives an element of control back. Yeah. Uh, there's a very... What, what, what books mm. don't offer, obviously, is it's a linear storyline, obviously. Yes, yes. yes. Which, which you can't, like, there are books, which experimental books, yes. which, which you can decide, like, a bit of the story by skipping pages or whatever, but, but it is essentially a linear story. Yes, it's a, a bit of a digression, but uh, one thing that kids often do is re-read books. Yeah. that they find familiar and comfortable. But yes, I think um, games can provide that degree of control. And things can go hideously wrong in a game, mm -hmm. but you can press reset exactly. and you can run it again. And so, this, this was what we were discussing about um, letting children know. I'm talking, by the way, I'm talking when I say children, I mean all learners. We do not make enough importance on how important it is to fail. 
yes. that failure for us all of us is just a part of learning. Yes, I, th- I think that's right. I think that's something that uh, I, well, a number of us in Edinburgh have been talking about recently. The idea, for example, that a learner should be able to participate in an assessment exercise. I will mm-hmm. leave that very, very vague, what I would mean by an assessment exercise, but something... Self-assessment, is, you're saying? Um, this, well, it could be self-assessment, it could be mm-hmm. peer assessment, it could be summative assessment okay. that we're going to use to give them a degree. Okay, fair enough. Let's, let's continue. Um, yeah, let's live dangerously. Uh, yeah, let's. let's. <laughs> and, and, and so it should be possible for a learner to fail in an assessment exercise you know, for things to go wrong, to mm-hmm. thing, for things to work out in ways that they didn't intend or didn't expect, mm-hmm. and yet still to pass the assessment. And I okay. think that's a really interesting idea. So if I introduce uh, not only, as it were, the achievement of a goal mm-hmm. into, an assessment, mm-hmm. an, into an assessment exercise... But the progression... But I, Exactly, the the trajectory mm-hmm. and the analysis after the event. Yes. So if I have a plan, my plan goes wrong, but I still have the opportunity to deconstruct that and try and understand why it went wrong, I could get a good mark. Yeah. So That's you nice. have the ethos of uh, the possibility of failure, failure not having terminal consequences, not True. having bad consequences, you can reflect on what happens, you can go straight back into the game, and you can play that same scenario again, mm-hmm. and fail again. And until? Until, yeah. Uh, so, who was it said, fail, fail again, fail better? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, you're, you're making progress. And I think that both parents and teachers can be frightened of the idea that a learner, a child, is going to fail and are trying to construct a supportive environment in which failure just doesn't happen. Exactly. And that may not be the best sort of experience. How realistic is it, but? Uh, well, uh, <laughs> I, mean, I, think, I think in the context of uh, simulation gaming, uh-huh. I think it is not so hard to sell the idea that a simulation is something that you run and you run again. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's what we would, that's, as, that's as scientists we're, yeah. and engineers, we that's, would understand by simulation. Exactly. So if we can introduce that simulation uh, thinking into the education system, mm-hmm. then I think that is a, an area where we can look to uh, introducing more opportunities for constructive failure. And I think it, it has to be constructive, I think, mm-hmm. because clearly... Young people are building their self-image, their self-esteem, and often that can be damaged, and teachers can do damage to that, parents can do damage to that. Uh, So we want children to have experiences of success and failure in contexts which are supportive. While having... Whilst all the time having time to think about their progress and how yes. they can improve. Yes, and, and, and why the failure occurred and yeah, what exactly. I'm going to do about it. Yeah, exactly. absolutely. So it's this iteration mm-hmm. roundabout, repeated opportunities to try mm-hmm. something. And simulations are great for that. I think one of the, the um, threads about game, and I'll use the phrase game-informed learning okay. rather than game-based learning, okay. uh, that, that comes from an old colleague of uh, of mine, Michael Begg, uh, from Edinburgh. Um, We can think about how 
the way games work as guiding the way in which we build learning exercises. So I think... Um, Could you give we, more detail about this? Yeah, well, if we think about um, education as a process of providing learners with lots of good experiences from which oh, they will okay. learn. Yeah. Okay, so you create a task, you give it to mm-hmm. the learner, mm-hmm. the learner engages in some activity around about that task, mm-hmm. and outcomes flow from that. Okay. Now, I think we can learn a lot from the way in which commercial games are built. Yeah. So they are built um, in a very interesting space. They have to be challenging enough so that you will pay thirty nine ninety five to buy one. Including all the downloadable content. No? Yeah. <laughs> and the <Okay>. subscriptions. <laughs> yeah, so they've got to sell, but they've also got to be... Um, Playable. Yeah. You, you, you cannot find them so uh, challenging that you can't get anywhere. True. And so that's a very important market uh, aspect of what commercial games do. Mm-hmm. Uh, they get you to pay money and they convince you that you are capable. They have to offer the challenge, but still the challenge has to be surmountable. Exactly, yeah. And so you know, take that lesson and import it into the design of your learning activities. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what you're going for. You're going for something which is sufficiently challenging uh, that it, it will keep the student engrossed mm-hmm. but it will not overwhelm them. It, it takes us all the way back to our kindergarten days when if we did something good we would get a star. Yes. Which is b- yeah, right, but I, could I pick you up on, on something I, well, I don't know if you're implying it, but let me try. I'm not a great fan of gamification. And, and the, and that. I have my reservations about well, it. I, but, I think um, the, but, but just to let you know, Malta gamification is starting to get, is oh, starting to get some ground. Everywhere. Now, I think the interesting thing about these uh, game dynamics uh, approaches to learning mm-hmm. and training, they clearly work but they might not be working for the reasons that we think that's they're what, that's working. That's what I think as well. So I mean, you mentioned leaderboards. The achievement for the sake of the achievement instead of the, for the sake of what have you learned to achieve that. Yes. Um, yeah, the notion, for example, of the leaderboard and, and, and um, badges. Mm-hmm. We might think of that as a very uh, sort of behaviorist reward economy, gold stars. Uh, mm-hmm. On the other hand, a badge might be uh, a mark of belonging. Mm-hmm. So leaderboards, when you play with your friends and compete with your friends, is about affiliation. Mm-hmm. It's not so much about competition as such. Yeah, yeah. Competition can be powerful, can be good, can be toxic. Exactly. Um, badges, similarly. Um, we've achieved something. You and I have both achieved something. Mm-hmm. We share Something. So I unless think unless that process breaks, and you are the the one of three which have who have not yeah. achieved those badges. Yeah. I think I think that's right. So um, the the reasons why gamification can be powerful and compelling and motivating, I think, are to do with sociability, intersubjectivity, belonging, mm-hmm. not just about getting a reward. Uh, and so I think uh, children relate to the games that they play because they are part of their culture and there's something that they share. We're back to the water cooler again. Yeah, yeah. There's something that they will share with their peers. So having said this, we, we both 
we both realize that gamification as it is being introduced does not always meet the gamification um, yeah, targets yeah, and yeah, objectives. That, that, that would be a way of saying it. Yes, I think um, it may work, it may not work. Mm -hmm. uh, it may work for reasons that, that are not the reasons that we're thinking of. Yeah. So I think the idea of looking at the commercial games industry, because yeah. I mean, that's a massive multi-million dollar And industry. becoming very, very complex every day. Uh, indeed. But if we look to that and see some of the reasons why game titles are successful, and actually, if we want to be really geekish about it, we can look at some of the reasons why game titles aren't successful. Mm -hmm. But mostly we see the successful ones. We, as educators, I think, can learn a lot from the way in which games challenge people mm -hmm. and support their play mm -hmm. and scaffold them into the game. Yeah. So if you think about almost any game, it will have an introductory section yeah. which ensures that you acquire the basic skills before you set off mm -hmm. into the, the, the main narrative of the yeah, game. Yeah, like you do a tutorial or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, it, and it can be done in, in very, very subtle yeah, ways. Yeah. Uh, World of Warcraft is really interesting. Even in tool dips and, and this. Yeah, and, that, yeah. There's, there's and, and so good games have good scaffolding. They mm -hmm. have good tutorial, good introduction. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I think we can look There's to... There's the aim and the objectives, the all-important storyline. That, yes. I mean, I think, uh, yeah, I think that's right. The, the extent to which the story is important in the game, I think, is interesting. I mean, obviously, it varies from, from game, game to game. To game yeah. uh, and actually allowing this degree of control that we were talking about earlier, mm -hmm. uh, it's very difficult to allow genuine control to take the story forward because mm -hmm. the designer of the game has had to anticipate yep. anything that you might try and do here. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's, that, that's a challenge in its own right. But again, even there, I think we can, uh, as teachers, we can look to the dynamic of the classroom. You know, where am I going to go with this conversation now? Mm -hmm. Where can this lead us? How can this be creative, generative, in mm -hmm. terms of what the... the uh, the children, the learners are going to learn. Um, so we're doing this on the fly all the mm -hmm. time, I mm -hmm. think, uh, as teachers. Mm -hmm. Basically, our time is up. We've been talking and chatting for about half an hour. I would like to thank you, Hamish, for taking the time to Great come. Great pleasure, and James. It's been lovely to meet you. And, into um, this oven. <laughs> I hadn't noticed the heat. It's, uh, yeah. No, coming from Scotland is quite a challenge to... Uh, uh, I, I, I think it's still a bit chilly eh, over there. Well, I was glad to have the wind this week. It was nice when I got off the plane. Oh, okay. Lovely, lovely. <laughs> Are you enjoying the island at least? Uh, yes, it's great. I, and, and, you know, just meeting some great people. So well, it's, uh, it's been a very great pleasure. Thank you, Hamish. Thank you for your time. Welcome.